welcome and thank you for joining us for the first episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. I'm your host, Kayla, and I'm the librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Martha. I work at the Auburn Branch of the Cranston Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Elise. I work at the William Hall Branch of the Cranston Public Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Before we go into what we've been reading, I kind of wanted to talk briefly how, if you guys have been reading and how you've found finding time to read when, you know, our schedules are what they were. Sure. I have been reading mostly before bed, but to be fair, that was what I was doing before the stay-at-home order. Um, I tend to read the most at night, in bed, just like as part of my wind-down time at the end of the evening. I'm the opposite, Elise. I actually fall asleep within like 15 minutes if I read while I'm in my bed. So I do most of my reading on the couch, usually between work and, you know, going to sleep time is when I usually do most of my reading. But I actually, I did. I had a really long stretch of not being able to read anything. Um, So, and, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading of like webtoons and that sort of thing because they're a lot more episodic. Um, usually I'm reading monographs, I'm reading print books, I'm reading stuff that I want to make sure that I can recommend to kids, but I've been doing a lot more of just, I'm going to binge read an entire webtoon series in one evening. Um, and I've been able to do a lot more reading of print books and ebooks recently, but for a little while it was just webtoons all of the time. And, um, I can mention some of my favorites. I'm going to shout out to Gourmet Hound which is all about food, so enough said. Um, My Giant Nerd Boyfriend is really fun. Um, Lore Olympus, um, amazing. It's about the Persephone's and Hades story, but it's in modern day, and it's so great. And uh, Circus is another really, really good one. So I've just been reading tons and tons and tons of Webtoons. Yeah, when you said about Webtoons, I was going to ask you about Lore Olympus because my friend is obsessed with it, and she was like, you've got to read it. And I started reading it. I got, I got like 30 chapters in and then put it down because some heavy stuff happens right around then. Um, and so I put it down because I was like, oh, this is a heavy thing to read right before bed. And now I'm sad. Um, but I know overall people really love it. And I do want to get back to reading more of it. I also recently got into Lore Olympus. That's really funny. <laughs> It's it's gorgeous. Like the art style, even before I started reading it, I saw art from it like on the internet just around and just like her color choices and everything is just so good. It's so beautiful and actually it's getting turned into an animated series and I beyond cannot wait. I cannot wait for this to happen. Um, it's one of those things like the day that it happens, I'm going to be like, watch party, watch party. We have to watch it together. Um, but yes, the art is actually super beautiful, but it's changed a little bit recently because she's so busy and coming out with a new webtoon every week is so much stress that she's actually had to hire artists to help her. Um, so it's really interesting to see how a style changes a little bit once an artist like allows somebody else in and it's like, now it's a collaborative type of project kind of um but the art Mm. remains beautiful 
Yeah, shout out to our listeners. Anyone who um, is intrigued by our conversation and Lore Olympus updates, usually weekly, usually the new ones drop Saturday nights um, and it's hosted by Webtoon. Um, and the author is Rachel Smythe or Rachel Smith. Um, but yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah, and Webtoons is a free app that you can download. So, okay, yeah. So people like reading comics or web comics. Webtoons is a way to do that and the app is free. Um, but web comics kind of allows me to transition into what I wanted to talk about of the book that I've, well, I haven't started reading it, but it, cause it just came in the other day, but the book that is like top to the front of the line of my to read, um, list. And that is the second volume of check, please. Uh, yeah. which is, <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so exciting. So our, our guests are familiar, but for anyone who isn't familiar, uh, it started out as a webcomic, but she got a publishing deal to make a mass trade, like a trade mass paperback. Uh, so the first volume followed uh, this character named Biddy. Um, he's a college freshman. He's so, you know, he's in a new environment, uh, a small fish in a big pond kind of story and he gets involved in like he tries out and gets on his college's hockey team and it's all about kind of the shenanigans and and highs and lows that they go through as a hockey team and also with a side story of his developing romance with one of the other players um but yeah so sorry go ahead Oh, I was going to say, it's so sweet, and Vidi is such a lovely, sunshiny character, but there's also emotion there, and he's a baker, and it's just, his relationship with the, um, I think it's the team captain that he has the crush on and the developing relationship with, but really his his relationship with all of his other teammates and their relationship with each other is just so lovely and so, like, genuinely sweet and adorable, which is not necessarily something you would associate with an all-boys college hockey team, but there's, it's just, it's so lovely. Yes, I agree. It is, it is wonderful. And that's why I didn't want to say that it was like a romance kind of story and that it was about that, because while that is like a big part of it, it isn't all about that, because they do kind of feature, you know, his friendships with a lot of the other players. Um and I feel like that's as big of a part of the story as his relationship with Jack. But um, so the set, so the second volume just came out recently. So that's the junior and senior, Biddy's junior and senior year. I've already read all of his junior year on a self-published um, copy of year three that the author put out and that I bought at ALA. So I guess technically half of the book I've already read, even though I haven't read it in my um, my copy of volume two yet. Um, so I'm very excited to see how everything turns out and how it all wraps up. Me too. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Same. So in terms of print books or other genres besides comics, are there anything that either of you want to have been reading and really loving and want to give some love to? Definitely. Um, I'll go first, Elise, and then I'll let you go. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so I figured we're still in the comic sort of realm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Witchlight by Jesse Zabarski, 
which just came out, I think on the 14th. It's a fantasy witch quest story comic um, is the quickest way I can describe it. Um, first of all, um, the art is beautiful. There's all of these sort of viney, pretty illustrations. Um, I'm loving that there's this trend right now in children's literature for like 1990s witchy themes. And I think a lot of like 90s babies are old enough that they're like publishing now and it's making me super happy. It's making me think about all of the great movies that came out with witches in the 90s. Um, and Witchlight is like this quest story. There's this um, character who gets kidnapped by a witch. They're both witches, um, but she gets kidnapped and she, they end up going on this quest together. Um, and it's just this, like, wonderful, like, love story quest. Um, a lot about magic and, like, sort of the ethics of magic, a little bit of, like, what's cool and what's not cool. Um, and I just can't wait for it to come out. I'm really excited. I also love that the protagonist is plus-sized and, like, it's not really discussed at all. Um, and I love that the two characters um, just have a beautiful romance. And it's, it's a very short, cute story, but there's so much depth to it. So that's, that's something that I've read that I've been literally waiting for it to be published. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. I'll have to look that up after, um, after this recording because that sounds really cool. Okay, yeah, Elise, me, how about yeah. you? No, for me, my comfort books are usually kind of large nonfiction. <laughs> So that's what I took out of the library before um, we closed. I'm rereading a book I've read before. It's a little bit older. It's called What Jane Austen Ate and Charles Dickens Knew by Daniel Poole. And it's a survey guide to le daily life in the 19th century, like the entire century. Um, and he takes everything in like very short chunks, like the economy and government and how one dressed and how one imported oneself. And he ties it all into different books of English literature that were published throughout the century. So he pulls in characters from Jane Austen and Dickens and Trollope and Hardy and illustrates the facts of life using sections of those books. So if you're somebody who's read a lot of 19th century Brit lit or you're interested in the era, um, a book like that is great for helping to sort of deepen your understanding of why characters are acting this way or why certain plot points are happening or why is it a big deal that you know Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett have five daughters? Why is the estate being inherited by a distant cousin? And that book goes in and explains it in a really nice conversational tone. I did pull a book off the shelf that I've been like super excited about for months, but it hasn't been on the shelf, so I haven't been able to read it, uh, from the teen section, The Beautiful by Renee Adie, and it is like 1870s New Orleans vampire historical murder mystery, and I am here for it. I was in a conversation with other youth services librarians and someone brought up that vampires are back, and I am so excited. Like I never got over like, the vampire craze i was like a fan of anne rice back in high school and like watched buffy and angel and i have been riding the vampire train ever since and i'm so excited that there's a whole bunch of new vampire books for me to enjoy but i haven't managed to quite like get in the headspace for fiction yet so right now i'm consoling myself with nonfiction. wow elise i'm sort of the opposite of you because when i am having like a hard time i always go for like fluffy romances um especially teen romances and I am actually 
um, I've got really excited about. It's called I'll Be the One by Lila Lee, and it's a teen novel. It's a K-pop contest romance. Um, basically, it's this plus-size girl is really talented at dancing and singing, and she wants to join this brand-new American K-pop contest show. So everybody's, con- you know, basically um, com- competing to become the next K-pop idol. And she decides to sign up, and her mom is like, no, that's a bad idea. Like, you're going to get mocked because traditionally Koreans are, you know, very stringent about what they see as beautiful, um, which is very similar to American culture. Um, But in a show like this, she's like, they're going to, like, rip you to pieces. And she decides that she doesn't care, and she just goes and competes, and she gets in. And so the whole book is about her she didn't get in for the singing part but she got she got in for the singing part but not for the dancing part even though she's amazing or the other way around I'm a little confused but she only gets in for one part and so she does all of the competition and she's making it through all these hoops and then she also starts to have a romance with one of the other people competing one of the one of the guys who's some sort of like super well-known Instagram famous dude and so there's this beautiful romance and there's k-pop which is another trend in teen lit that i'm enjoying and i'm so here for right now um and so i really like happy romance like people competing for a pop idol position um it's just so much fun it's not coming out till june i did get to read it because librarians often get to read books before they're published but i think everybody should keep an eye out for it um I'm really, really excited for it. And it's it's definitely another one of those um, times when what I like to read and what my profession asks me to read line up very nicely. Sounds like if Dumpling had K-pop. Yeah, it's, it's actually very much like if Dumpling had K-pop. Yep, that's pretty accurate. So if you liked that book, keep your eye out for this book. And I would also say if you're a fan of like Maureen Goo, who writes a lot of stuff that is K-pop or K-drama-y, um, you'll probably ingest him. Okay. Um, does anyone else have any closing thoughts about books? I'm sure we could all talk for hours. Elise, did you have another That's thing? True. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I have, um, I, so I'm somebody who really prefers reading print. Like I said, I usually read in bed and I try, I mean, I fail, but I try to limit my screen time before I go to bed. But I have recently downloaded a number of books from our eZone, which I don't usually do for a book that I plan on reading cover to cover. I'll usually read like the first 30 pages on the eZone just to see if I want to continue. But um, the eZone is our area to download electronic books and audiobooks. And so I'm, I'm branching out into the eZone and hopefully we'll get some brand new books out because a lot of what I have on my bedside table is older academic nonfiction that I've already read. So this this is going to be good for me to get some like work reading done um, while we're not really able to physically access our buildings at this time. Yeah, sounds good. Plugging our resources before we even do the plug. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, why don't we shift over to talking about things that we've been watching, TV, movies. Well, I'd love to go first because the thing I've been watching the most of is actually recommended to me by Elise. So I've been watching (laughs) Granada Holmes, which is actually a Sherlock Holmes TV show from the 1990s with Jeremy Brett starring. And my husband and I have just been binge watching 
all of the Granada Homes episodes, and we've been having so much fun with them. Um, they aren't available, I think, anywhere except for YouTube. But, oh, Martha, um, let me interrupt you and just down. let you know that The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, which contains the first two series, are available via the Ocean State Library's eZone. I am not even kidding. Well, please tell us how we can get there, Elise. Uh, well, we'll save it till the end when we do our plug, but no, it's on the eZone. Um, I've always been a fan of the Basil Rathburn Sherlock Holmes, and I, that's all I've really watched. I did watch Sherlock when it came out, and it was kind of fun, and I enjoyed it in the modern day, but... Um, I've really been enjoying just going back in time and watching some good old Sherlock Holmes. It's really um, satisfying to watch something where the bad guys lose. Um, I definitely think murder mysteries are as close as I can ever get to scary or horror stuff ever. I'm a little pansy. I can't watch horror movies or anything even remotely scary, so... Like, for me, my version of, like, a horror movie is watching Sherlock Holmes. So I really enjoy, like, that the mystery gets solved and that, like, the bad guys win in the end for most, for the most part. Well, um, that's great. I'm with you on the horror thing. I also am a big baby and uh, really can't. Sometimes I just find out about the plots of horror movies and then that, like, haunts me for, like, a week that someone with their, like, human creativity made something so horrific uh so so i'm with you there um i think you can't can join us as... smiling so much i love horror so much yeah elise is the one who loves horror kayla you get to join me and Alyssa as a happy shiny fluffy people as we describe ourselves yes i like that i, I don't it's just like i've said to people that it's like there's so much like negativity in the world that like in entertainment i'm really like going for something that's like, you know, even if it's not quite uplifting, it's some if it's resolved in a kind of positive, happy way in the end, then I'm satisfied, which I know is also kind of a bit of an American thing. Like I know other countries like don't mind when they even popular movies have sad endings. Um, but yeah, it's just, but I mean, a lot of people enjoy it. People enjoy the, uh, the adrenaline that they get from, watching horror or suspense so to each their own we still love you Elise thanks guys no I really love horror I think that it depends (laughs) on what period you're watching and what decade or even era the film is being made in because I totally get what you're saying that with a lot of um horror movies there can be this sort of sense of nihilism um with this like nothing really matters and everything ends poorly but oftentimes with horror there is I like the moral ambiguity and the the think about itness that you get from some horror, but also a classic of the genre is horrible thing happens, horrible thing happens, horrible thing happens, and then the monster is vanquished in the end. It's kind of like um, 18th century opera where you'll have people performing all of the um, insanely like vice-ridden lascivious acts on stage, and then at the very end, sort of like the good guy comes in or the king comes in and cleans everything up and the person who's been doing all of this heinous stuff gets punished but the audience gets to vicariously enjoy this like extreme fantasy for an hour and a half so yeah I mean horror is a genre that has a lot of variety it was why when I was asked once like if there was only one genre of literature you could 
for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said horror, just because there's so much diversity within the genre where you have horror that ends with the bad guy getting vanquished and the good guys triumph in the end. And other times it doesn't happen that way. And yeah, love it. Well, I have to say, Elise, the one thing that lines up with what I enjoy about K-dramas that you were talking about with horror is like horrible things keep happening. I mean, I started watching K-dramas mostly because I had some teens at Auburn that were like, you haven't watched any K-dramas? Why have you not watched K-dramas? They're amazing. (laughs) So I went and watched a few and now I'm totally addicted and I'm constantly watching them. And it is really ridiculous because they are basically soap operas and it's just horrible thing happens. Another horrible thing happens. Another horrible thing happens. But they give you enough little pieces of something good happening that like you you keep going along because you're like, oh, maybe the romance will happen or like maybe there will be a promotion or like maybe this good thing will happen. So I can totally bad things keep happening, but at the end all is resolved kind of thing because that Mm -hmm. that definitely does keep me going through it. Yeah, for sure. So Elise, is there any shows or movies specifically that you've been watching that you want to talk about besides your love of Sherlock Holmes? Totally. So obviously Sherlock Holmes all day, every day. Um, But this is going to sound like such a long 80, (laughs) given what I was talking about before. I've been binge watching old episodes of The Great British Bake Off um, because it's so cozy (laughs) and lovely and everyone is so sweet, specifically like the BBC years, the Mel Sue years, like classic Bake Off. Um, And I've also been watching not as many, um, again, I just, I love nonfiction. I just love to learn things. Um, But I haven't been watching as many fiction series, but I have been like obsessed with the costumer slash like seamstress corner of YouTube. So they call it costume. And it's (laughs) a number of people who have YouTube channels and a lot of them do either um like cosplay um sort of instructional or inspirational videos but many of the people I watch specifically are historical costumers so they'll recreate 18th 19th century medieval gowns or at least like give tips on how to diversify your wardrobe and do things that they call history bounding where you either wear a full um historically accurate piece of garb or attire just out and about in the world or something that's inspired by history. Recently, um, one of the people who I loosely follow prior attire has started trending because she and her husband do these things that they call um, costume constitutionals, where they go out in full outfits from like 1890s or 1490s and just take a walk around their town. And a couple of um, news outlets have picked up on this recently just because it's a little bit unusual, but also incredibly wholesome. Yeah, I did see that article of the of them in the like full the picture. I didn't click on the article, but the picture I saw looked like um, now I just totally forgot what the word for it was. Um, like Louis the Fourteenth. Uh, oh sure. Kind of era France. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and her YouTube channel, she does like get ready with me, but in the style of somebody at the court of Versailles or um, a woman going riding on their estate in early 19th century, wherever. Um, And it's really interesting because she tries to do everything sort of like from the ground up and you get a sense of like what people were actually wearing, how they were able to get dressed and also how long it took. And one of the things that a lot of the YouTubers are interested in is portraying accuracy and sort of busting myths. So the idea that it would take a woman hours to get dressed in 
1865 or something prior attire puts on all of her outfit usually by herself and does it in like 15 20 minutes tops um so it's it's really really cool if you're like a history geek like me um because i just go in for details and stuff a lot of these videos are just like 20 straight minutes of somebody sewing and i find that very soothing now i think i've seen kind of things like this in my suggestions um because i watch a channel and uh, I know the woman's first name is Jessica, but I can't think of what her last name is, um, who does like 1950s vintage clothing is a big focus of her, um, her YouTube channel. So I think because I'm in like in that kind of like vintage clothes space of YouTube's YouTube's algorithm has been like, hey, do you also want to watch this? And I just like haven't really clicked through and watched them. But maybe the next time something comes up, I will based on your recommendation at least oh yeah i'm a victim of the youtube algorithm i watched one video on corset making by bernadette banner and then i fell down the rabbit hole into all the other costumers and it's pretty delightful they all seem you know very knowledgeable and entertaining and yeah it's, it's great if you want to have something sort of on that you can either choose to really take inspiration or learn from or something that you can just kind of have on in the background to sort of soothe your soul as you're going about your day yeah, I'm not, I feel like I'm frequently looking for things to have as background noise, uh, especially like later in the evening. So it's good to know. So the thing that recently that I've watched that I really enjoyed because there were a couple things that I started, but I'm not quite sure how I feel about them yet. But the one thing that I have been watching and really enjoying um, is this Canadian show called Letter Kenny? Um, so, content warning, heads up to the audience. It is a show intended for mature audiences. There is a lot of language. So, if that's a thing that's not your thing, you might not enjoy this show. Um, but uh, it's just like a very quotable show, and it's been a long time since I watched something that was just like so quotable. There's like all this, and I don't know if it's necessarily like Canadian slang that actual Canadians use or if it's stuff that they've written for the show, but it is a Canadian like made show. Um, but they just like have all this slang that I'm just like, I wish we, I wish we said that here because that's great. Um, and it's just very funny. Uh, the premise is that it's just about this small rural town in Ontario, I believe, um, that like 5,000 people in and it live in and it kind of goes on the premise of like 5,000 people live in Ken Letterkenny and here's are their stories, but it focuses kind of on like a cast of characters of like less than a dozen, you know, that are like the most colorful people in town, I guess. The Canadians make great TV shows. I, I can't think of anything else that I've, well, okay, I did occasionally watch Degrassi, but that's the only other Canadian TV show that I can think of that I actually watched, but maybe there are some popular TV shows that I did not know were Canadian that I've watched, um, but well, really right enjoying now, it. Right now, Schitt's Creek is the biggest one, and Schitt's Creek is amazing, and I have to figure out how to get my hands on the last season. I know there's a way to watch it, but it's not any of my easily accessible ones. So I'm waiting on tender hooks, but I know there are people who have watched the ending before me. So I'm jealous of them. And I think something that I super enjoy about it is that it's made in Canada. 
I think just knowing that makes me very happy. Yeah, it's just it's it's interesting to watch a culture that is like very similar to ours in a lot of ways, but also like a little bit different than ours in a lot of ways. It's it's like almost like Canada is like mirror dimension America. That's true. Another of my favorite Canadian shows is Slings and Arrows, and that one's actually about a Shakespeare group, and that is just like one of those shows that's so much fun. And it's very 90s. That's another 90s show. Um, But, yeah, everything is, like you said, like slightly different. And they do things just a little bit differently. And they say things just a little bit differently. Um, But there's lots of wonderful Shakespeare stuff in there. And um, I love a good Shakespeare quote or reference or anything to do with Shakespeare in general. So Slings and Arrows is something to go and binge watch if you can find it. Yeah, I definitely will have to look into that because I'm also a big Shakespearean fan. Well, that's got Shakespeare plus Canada. You're going to be having a great time, Taylor. (laughs) Definitely. And um, on that note, um, we'll be back after a short break. Want new ebooks but don't want to leave your house? Borrow ebooks and audiobooks to read on your phone or tablet using the Libby app by Overdrive. You can even send and read your borrowed ebooks to your Kindle e-reader, US only. It's free and easy to get started for new users and a streamlined experience for our current Overdrive app users. Learn more at overdrive.com/apps/libby. Storytimes, especially for ages 0 through 5, are live streamed three times a week on the Cranston Public Library Facebook page. Mondays are with Ms. Elise from William Hall Library. Tuesdays are with Ms. Martha from Auburn Library. And Wednesdays are with Ms. Emily from the Central Library. All Storytime live streams start at 10.30 a.m. Okay, and we're back. This part of the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about what have been small things or maybe big things uh, that have been bringing all of us some joy and levity in these trying times. Um, I'll start. Mine is that I am very happy that my weekly yoga class has been able to work out continuing via Zoom so that I've been able to keep that part of my routine going. So it's been nice to have something from the before time that I can kind of bring into this time, even despite some technical issues that we've had trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, I've been very happy to um still be able to participate in that from a distance. That's great, Taylor. I do yoga as well most mornings, but I do it asynchronously. I have videos that I watch. I don't have a an interacting type of yoga, although I do follow um, at least one yoga teacher on Facebook who I think is doing like Sunday morning yogas, but I keep missing them because I'm used to asynchronous yoga. Yeah, I definitely, I have done videos in the past, and if I want to do yoga more than once a week, I will do it along with some videos. I've been enjoying Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Another really great website for yoga that's free is 
uh, doyogawithme.com, and it's mostly free videos, and you can register and pay money to do extra stuff and see extra videos, but you can do a lot for free on that website. So doyogawithme.com is a website I usually use. Awesome. I'll have to look into that. Uh, the one thing for me, though, and I kind of did this, go, like, going into it, I just, like, you know, like, know thyself. I was, like, I can't or I can't put an expectation to practice in the morning. I'm just, like, not a morning person. And so, like, going into getting back into my yoga practice this year, I've been, like, I'm, like, just don't, well, just, like, eliminate that pressure from it and just don't expect that you will practice in the morning. Um, so when I do practice, I tend to practice in the evening and I look at it as kind of like, and it does help me like wind down and, and just shift into a low gear at the end of the day. But I do occasionally do things in the morning and I feel like it is a great way to kind of like have focus and mindfulness about the day ahead. Oh, it definitely is. And I'm the exact opposite to all of my physical activity of any kind, usually in the mornings. I'll take a walk in the afternoon sometimes, but um, I tend to think of it as if I'm going to do physical activity, I want to be half asleep for it. So I don't really wake up <laughs> fully before I do my, my physical activity in the morning, but my favorite thing to do is yoga in the morning because it's a great way to wake up um, and, you know, stretch things out and get centered and you feel ready for the day. So, Elise, what's the thing that you would like to share with us that you've been really into recently? I've got two. So one is kind of what you guys are talking about with yoga, sort of a uh, continuation of things like that I've been doing that I get to continue now, which is um, Saturday night survivor watch-alongs with my friends. Uh, so we have, oh. within the last couple of years, gotten very into Survivor. One of my friends, Jen, has been watching it literally since the first season went to air, and she kind of grabbed the rest of us in. So there's five of us who get together via Zoom every Wednesday at 8 and just watch Survivor and commentate on Survivor. And so that's a lot of fun. Um, but on a more personal note, I mentioned in the earlier segment that I got very into watching videos of people sewing on YouTube. And so I decided that I was going to make a skirt. And so I'm in the process of, and I don't have a machine, so I'm hand sewing this skirt that I like drafted the pattern myself, which it's a skirt that was not terribly difficult, but I've never really made a garment before. So I'm very excited. And that's how I've been sort of filling my evenings because I am not a morning person. I'm actually a pretty bad insomniac. And so I'm not in bed before midnight most days. And so this is a way to fill my sort of late evening, not ready for bed yet, but don't have anything else to do time. Wow. Hand sewing. That's a commitment. It is, but it's also like a time suck, which is kind of great right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I hand sewed all of the masks for myself and my family and hand sewing that, even though they were small, it took me like an hour to an hour and a half to make one mask. I was just going to so. say, I've also hand sewn masks for myself and my family. And yeah, it takes about an hour or um, two episodes of 1950s television series, What's My Line, which I also have been watching in reruns on YouTube. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just obsessed with YouTube and hand sewing right now. Okay. Uh, and Martha, what's, what's your thing besides yoga that's been bringing you some joy I, lately? 
I've been baking and gardening. Um, my I just planted like the last two days. I think I've planted like ten different kinds of seeds into tiny little pots. Um, I'm lucky enough to have an outdoor patio, but it's too cold outside for those things. And I have a kitty inside who likes to eat everything that I try to grow. So this year I've gotten inventive with um, hanging plants and tiny little plants that I can put in windowsills. And that's been bringing me a great deal of joy. I've also been baking. I did some bread, which was fun. I had a horrible experience trying to make almond flour scones but they still got eaten. It was okay. Um, they came out really weird. So to redeem myself, I made some chocolate chip muffins. But uh, I've just been having a lot of fun with that. And uh, fortunately, I have a neighbor I can pawn stuff off onto, which I've discovered. So, you know, social distancing, of course, I like put things up outside his door and then text him like there are muffins. Um, but I'm really enjoying baking and having time for baking. Um, I like that, you know, if I'm taking a lunch break in the middle of my day, I can like pop some muffins in the oven and then like 30 minutes later, there's magically just beautiful baked goods in my kitchen and it gives me no end of joy. So with your gardening, what do you got going on? So I'm planting all sorts of things. I haven't ever had a lot of great luck with vegetables, but I keep planting them anyways. I have a lot of good luck with herbs, so basil, mint, thyme, that kind of thing. And I have some out on the patio that seems to have, you know, slept through winter okay. Some of it might come back. Some of it might not. Um, I'm looking forward to that. But my planting um, this year, I was like, if I keep some stuff indoors, maybe it will survive. Um, I've planted some arugula, uh, lettuce, um, some nasturtiums, which are edible, um, I did plant some marigolds as well, um, chives, green onions. I'm planting all sorts of things. And in the past, I've never really had much of a crop of anything. So I'm sort of doing the thing where I plant so many things that if something survives, I'll be happy. <laughs> right? Something's got to stick. Yeah. And in general, it's just, you know, bringing life to things can be you know, very uplifting. And um, once it gets a little bit warmer in the next couple of weeks, um, I'll be able to start messing about with things outdoors. Um, it's still getting really cold in the evenings. So I actually bought a pot of pansy just to like make myself feel better the last time I had to be at a store. And um, I <laughs> was going to leave them on the patio. And then I was like, I can't leave you outside. Pansies, you might die. I don't know if you'll make it. So I brought them indoors and then hid them from my cat, who likes to eat everything. <laughs> yeah, that's like anytime we've tried to grow things where I live, I live in uh, sort of like on the bordering of it starting to get rural, uh, but I do have a lot of like woods and trees around where I live. And uh, so deers will come and eat anything that we plant. So <laughs> we've kind of given up on that. They don't eat the daffodils, though. So the daffodils have been coming up for like four or five years at this point, if not longer. Um, and I picked some and brought some in uh, to make the inside a little more bright and sunny and springy and make me feel better. And eat, like a lot of other stuff that we put outside, it's like the deers will just get them. 
I do live in a city, so I don't have deer, but there's a lot of things that you might plant. So I I always have to sort of plant things that I I can understand if there's a little bit of nibbling because we'll get birds and squirrels and even, you know, rats and lovely things like that. So um, I have to grow things that are strong. So mint is one of my favorite plants. If you're looking for a plant to get started on, Start with some mint because it's pretty mm. hard to kill. The other thing that's hard to kill is a pothos plant. We have a pothos plant that has made it through several apartments. Somehow the cat hasn't managed to completely kill it, and it is thriving. So if you're an amateur gardener, if you've never planted anything in your life, those are the two things that are uh, pretty good Pretty good bets. They won't make you feel like you've got a black thumb. Okay, because I, I, I need hardy things. I have a bad track record. I killed the succulent. I don't even, I think I overwatered it and it died. You just loved it too much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, you have to water it somewhat. It, it still needs water to live. Things need water to live. And then, uh, and then it just started to look sadder and sadder. Yeah, people say succulents are easy to take care of, but I don't think that's entirely true. <laughs> so um, is there anything else either of you ladies would like to talk about before we wrap this up nothing pressing on my mind at the moment okay so then i will say thank you to all our listeners for listening um we will be back next week with another episode uh that will be with Alyssa and zach from central talking about national poetry month be safe and be well everyone Downtime is a production of the Cranston Public Library. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza, and our ad music is Feeling Sunny by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. To find out everything your library can do for you, visit our website at cranstonlibrary.org. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Join us next week for more Downtime. Downtime.